The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Did you negotiate at all to be the bachelorette? Or did you just say, give me the deal? I have 1500 bucks in my account. I had a $2 net worth before you would I'm think, in. You would think, because I think they offered me $40,000. You would think I would be like, jackpot. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, sign <laughs> me up. But no, Penny, bless her again, was like, I'm giving you an entertainment lawyer. It's going to cost you a lot of money, but it're going to be worth it in the end. I didn't even know. I didn't know you had an entertainment lawyer. Yeah. You had an entertainment lawyer do your first One of deal? the best in LA. Wow. Yeah. And what do you pay an entertainment lawyer? 5%? I, yeah. Yeah. That's usually what an entertainment lawyer costs, 5% of the contract. But I also think I had to pay him an upfront like retainer of five grand. Where'd that come from? <laughs> Stepdad. <laughs> Rob, we love you. Little shout out. Yeah. I mean, all of these, I was like, well, pay back. But yeah. And he changed a lot and negotiated my contract big time for me because I, I actually did say... And they, one of the executive producers said to me, you got an entertainment lawyer and you're asking for this amount of money. I'm sorry. I thought this was about love for you. <laughs> oh, fuck off. It's <laughs> like, it's about love and money. Okay. They go hand in hand in, for and me money. right now. There you go. Uh, because they said you're going against Brit. I was like, I'm not doing it. Okay. And then I said, I'll only do it if you paid me as much as you paid Chris Souls. Gotcha. So I said, I wanted to make the same as There you did. go. Equitable. I like that. Yeah. Do you have any... A very blanket tip. One quick one. Any type of negotiating tip for someone out there? Well, I mean, I had to think about, let's say I did work those 11 weeks that I was going to be the bachelorette. Think about how much money you would make, tips, what your spendings would be. Like if you map that all out of what you would make, and then you're risking that all to go on a national television show and, and you know, that's in the entertainment business. You just should walk in knowing how much money you're walking away from and how much money it should end up being in your pocket for risking your, you know, like, what is it? Likeness? Yeah. Your likeness, yeah. your livelihood, your, everything. your image. Yeah. Everything. And then getting a lawyer. I mean, that was the best thing I ever did was get an entertainment lawyer. I was going to say, if people are dissecting what you said, there's so many takeaways, right? Yeah. Get I professional really help. Yeah. Talk to your friends. You had said you knew what Chris Souls made. Obviously you did market mm -hmm. research on what other people were paid. Like yeah. there are so many takeaways from that. Right. Are you so impressed with me on that though? Even Very. though Penny told me, that's when I started being like, oh, because I saw it too, where they, that one thing that they said, oh, I thought this was about love for you. Yeah. That pissed me off. Yeah. I was like, well, now I'm really going to negotiate. All right. I, I, I am proud of you. Do you think, do you and Britt, did you think you had the same professional contract or no? I know we didn't. Interesting. Okay. So were you ever worried at all? And I talk about this in my book. I almost tried to potentially get that role, reverse negotiate, take the amount of money I was offered, which is a hundred grand and say, pay me nothing. Were you ever worried about it would be cheaper for them to go with her and that you would have lost in this like election. Yeah, of course. I was worried about so many things. I, again, you're being pitted against another woman. Is she prettier than me? Is she better yeah. than me? Does she have a, like, is she cheaper than me? Do they want to keep her? Are they just playing me? My, yeah, my confidence was still good, but like definitely shot at that point from, you know, the whole season of the bachelor and then being like, Oh, now we're going to, pin you against Brit and see who's the better wife. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I was definitely worried about that. 
But I had also negotiated that if it was her, I still got money. Oh, no way. Yeah. Interesting. That's so smart. Because my next question was going to be, if you didn't get elected, I like to say elected. elected. If you didn't get elected, what was your professional plan? What was next for Caitlin? Obviously, that's one of your answers. Well, I negotiated a dollar amount to help float me. Yeah. And then I also knew at that point that Instagram was something that you could make money. And I was okay. like, I will build some sort of brand. Yeah. No I think what. I would. it would have taken you longer. Oh, but yeah. I, but I would make the argument that if you weren't the Bachelorette, it would take you a lot longer. But I think you still, even just being on the one season of The Bachelor, with a smaller following not being Bachelorette, you still would have built what you have. That's nice. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I, I really- I think you would have too. I really do believe I would have done something- that like fulfilled my soul and made me money. Okay. Last question on the bachelorette, the professional work stop for you. Was there any percentage in Caitlin Bristow's confident brain going into the electoral vote of you versus <laughs> the bachelorette for your next career move? If you had to give me a number one through a hundred, what percent of the chance did you think you were going to be picked to be the bachelorette? 80. Okay. I was expecting you to be like 99 because I know you're confident. Confident. No. And like as each conversation I had with a different guy that night of the rose ceremony, I was like, oh, they've casted some of these guys for Brit and some for me. So like, it really just depends on if I had some flip floppers out there who was like, I thought it was Caitlin, but now that I talked to Brit, which there was, but I flip flopped some votes too. But I was like, who freaking knows at this point with this show, what they're going to do and what their plan is. Cause they said to me like, Caitlin, it's you. And I was like, but are you also telling Brit that? And they're like, well, yes, but <laughs> <laughs> for the record. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I was probably 80%. Gotcha. All right. I think there are so many brilliant things you did in negotiating. I never heard ever. I didn't even know about this, getting that $1,500 float for mm. your career and then negotiating that if they go with someone else, that you would have a dollar amount that would set you up financially to create some type of safety net for you to do your next thing. It's genius. It's brilliant. How many followers did you have before you went on to be The Bachelorette? Like 350,000. Okay. And were there other platforms at that point? It was just like Twitter and YouTube, right? Snapchat. I was like the Alex Earl of Snapchat <laughs> on. Yeah. Like it was crazy. I get millions of views I on my saw Snapchat. A TikTok as someone who's got, she has like 7 million TikTok followers, but she's got a bunch of Snapchat. She made over a million dollars in Snapchat in six weeks. I we'll get into made no money off Snapchat. Do you still <laughs> utilize your Snapchat? No. Okay. So 300,000 followers, you go to be the bachelorette. And I think most of us know the story from there completely blow up. Once you're done being the bachelorette, you have about what, one, one and a half million followers, 1.3 or something. Yeah. How times have changed. It's crazy. I want to do some rapid fire on the TV stops you've made, right? You're the bachelorette. You're on Dancing with the Stars. You've been the host and you've been on Dancing with the Stars tour. So I'm going to ask you a few questions. You tell me the answer. Ready? Mm -hmm. Which was the most exciting? Dancing with the Stars. Which was the most rewarding? Dancing, <laughs> Dancing with the Stars because Dancing I was- Dancing with the Stars tour or Dancing with the Stars? Dancing with the Stars because I had always wanted to be a dancer and to win that mirror ball made me feel like I achieved a dream. Dancing with the Stars tour, Dancing with the Stars or hosting three. Which one should you do again? Dancing with the Stars. Interesting. So you would do hosting. Because I couldn't stand losing. Okay. Okay. That's fair enough. It was enough. like an all-star season and I lost. I'd, I'd be like, am I a dancer? And then I'd go back into Okay. Myself. I don't know if you can answer this, but if you can, I don't want to get you in any trouble. The Bachelorette, Dancing with the Stars, hosting or Dancing with the Stars tour, which was the most lucrative? Hosting. 
If you have to guess how much the mirror ball is worth, I'm in full TV question rapid fire mode. Mm-hmm. How much would you guess the mirror ball's worth? I know how, well, I know how much it costs them to make it. How would you know that? Because they, my year that I won was the first year they revamped it and made it better. And they told me. And how much did it cost to make it? $10,000. I wonder how much you could sell it for. I wouldn't. You could pay me a million dollars. I wouldn't sell it. Yeah. Okay. Something you might sell. Your last ring that the show gave you. <laughs> How much is that value? Well, do you know that Neil Lane has first rights of buying it back? Oh, no way. Mm-hmm. So if you wanted to sell it, you'd have to go to him. Mm-hmm. Interesting. But how much do I think it would sell for? What if he gives you an offer you want to pass on? Suppose he offers you 30 Yeah, that's grand. a good question. I don't know. Interesting. I should do that. Okay. So you'd have to go to Neil. How much would you want to sell it for? How much would I want to sell it for? How much do you think it would go for? I don't know, 30 grand. 30 grand. Yeah. All right, there you go. All right, from a professional standpoint, when you think about your career, where it is today, would you be willing to do reality TV again? Yes. You would? I wouldn't have said that. I'm very surprised. I'm shocked by that. I wouldn't have said that three years ago. What? I would do reality TV again if it didn't dumb down my brand and make me look stupid. How can you plan? How can you prepare for that professionally? Because if I had creative control and was an executive producer, then I would make sure of that. Got it. Okay. So you want to be a producer then? Yeah. If I was to do, if I was to do reality television You'd again, want I would producing want control. To be, yes. Okay. What would the price tag be for a company that wanted to do reality TV with you that wouldn't be your own show? So suppose like a big show comes on, it's a new show, whatever it is, reality TV. What does it cost to concept? get Caitlin what's, Bristow on what's the show? The concept? Does that impact how much you would charge? Yes. Really? Well, no, no, it impacts if I would say yes or no. Okay. So it's a concept that you would say yes to. Okay. What's the minimum Caitlin Bristow would How want to charge? How long are we filming? Two months. I don't know. I don't want to say. <laughs> <laughs> because then again, I'm doing that thing that I did for like saying, well, you'd have to say like, how much money would I be missing out on with brand deals, with podcasting, with all these things that I would miss if I was it would be, doing would a reality it, show okay, and I'd have to this? add all that up and this say This is always a it. fair one. Because I always want, when people don't want to say, I always want to respect it. Would it be over six figures or no? Yes. Okay. Would it be over seven figures? No. Okay. So there we go. You have a somewhat If it was, I would be great, but I wouldn't be like. (laughs) Okay. A question that we had from a lot of viewers, do you get a bonus when you win Dancing with the Stars or does the person you're in the last place with get the same? Yeah. The person you're in last place with gets the same. You get a bonus every week that you make it past. First and second place, not last. First and second place get paid the same. You don't get a bonus if you win. The final four are in the final episode. They all get paid the same. Okay. Interesting. All right. But your signing bonus, I think you can negotiate a bit. Like to sign, to say you're going on the show. Okay. So there could be that. Okay. So it's paid weekly. That was a professional stop. In a million years, be honest, did you think after four or five years removed to being The Bachelorette, you would have got a shot at being Dancing with the Stars? (laughs) Oh, did you see my face? You were there. when they When they said, we're asking you to be on Dancing with the Stars, I was like, holy shit. Uh, no, I never thought in a million years. I never thought, I even thought two years out of the show was too far past to go on that show. So five was nutty bananas. Okay. So here's what I got to ask you. Imitation is the most sincerest form, form of, of flattery. flattery. How can people out there that never would think they're going to get to where they want to get, but want to get there, get there? Well, that's the problem. If they think they're never going to get there, they're not. But you just said you didn't think you're going to get there. No, okay, fuck. Well, you know what? I actually lied a little bit there. There is still a small part of me, if I'm being completely honest, if I'm being honest, that that I thought I deserved to be there. I take it back. I take it back. I shouldn't have said no, never in a million years, because I really did. I had a picture of a mirror ball in my mirror. Yeah, I thought I could. 
And I think that's part of the reason I never really lost that dream of like still being on Dancing with the Stars. I was like, well, how am I going to get there again? That was always just in the back of my mind of that's a show I would have always wanted to do. Hmm, Let me think about this. I actually take back what I said about thinking ever in a million years that I would get on Dancing with the Stars because I think I always had in the back of my head that that was going to be a chance at some point for me because I always kept in touch with the casting directors. I always supported the show. I always talked about my love for dancing and I just kind of always made sure I had a little tiny baby toe in the door with people there. So I think that's, I was doing it without realizing I was doing it, but I would say just show certain things that you're passionate about, commit to your passions because you just never know also who you're going to meet. I don't know how to answer this question. What? Yeah. No, I think it's fair. I think I think my takeaway from this that I think people should say is like, continue to network the places you want to be. Continue to tell the people of power but what you want. But authenticity is so important to me too that I you can't be thirsty. Yeah. So I get that, but I also want to just put it out there. I don't know. A lot of people looked at you with their head like kind of turned, like kind of get over it. Stop talking to your audience. Stop having your audience tweet Mike Fleiss. Stop having people say, so people were just like, what is she doing? But you kept believing in it. And if you don't think those tweets to Rob Mills and Mike Fleiss and all those people had an impact on you possibly getting this, absolutely they did. Well, I'm sure we'll get into this right away, but the power of community has gotten me a lot of things that I dreamt for. So I think it's hard for me to say, I would want to know specific goals for people to tell them how to achieve them. It's but if you're using it in a general statement as like, how does someone get to what they want when they don't believe they could get it is a hard question to answer because. I think the answer I'm taking away and I'm going to like use and I believe in is people. Yeah. I think performance actually is important, but it's a small piece of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. I think it's, you really need the help of people. You need people to believe in what you should be doing and you need to tell people. Mm-hmm. And I've saw some TikTok yesterday that said, don't tell anyone what your, what your dreams are and what you want. I've seen that too. And, I literally, uh, and everyone's like, yeah, you're right. Cause people will steal it. I literally respond. I'm like, is this a joke? How do you expect to get there? Oh, I agree. Because if you could do it yourself, you've already been on the show. Yeah, you yeah. can't get there without anybody else. Yeah, I agree. All right. I'll never forget that day when you were asked to be on the show. I mean, that was crazy. <laughs> did you at all at any point when we sat down there and Chris had mentioned something, did you ever see that being your next career stop for three months? No, I thought he was going to ask me to take his job, which I eventually did, but not on purpose or maliciously. <laughs> okay. That's, I think that's a good point though. And a good question to ask. And I want to bring it back to professional and career stuff. Yeah. There's a lot of people in this world that are offered opportunities that mom, dad, partners, maybe colleagues who wanted it, that creates envy or shame or anything like that. You took that job. Could the Chris, the hosting job? Yes. Yeah. Do you feel any bit of shame or blame for taking that professional step? Well, I do a little bit. I felt, a well, I was kind of tricked into the role because we were told we were being mentors, not the host. And in my brain, I was like, well, yeah, you can't replace Chris Harrison. You just can't. He's irreplaceable. So I will go in with a different role. I'll mentor. I'll be able to like, you know, speak from my own experience and have empathy towards the lead and be able to like share things and talk about things that Chris wouldn't be able to but like, obviously I'm not replacing him. When I got there and realized we were hundred percent replacing him and I'm standing there with the teleprompter being like, Bachelor Nation, welcome to this season of the, and here comes the first limo. I'm like, oh shit, we're definitely hosting. And that's when I felt a little bit of shame. And I text Chris just saying like, I hope you know you're irreplaceable and I'm not, I don't want to step on toes and like, this is what I thought and this is what it is. So I did feel a little bit of shame because maybe it was imposter syndrome and not shame, but 
who was I to step into that role. Okay. So one thing you had said earlier in this interview had mentioned that hosting was one of the most lucrative things you've done. So how no compared to compared to some of the other, but it it is very lucrative. So what, how could you, how could you say no to an opportunity that's that lucrative and that creates more and, and, and not only how could you do it, how, what advice would you give for people back at home that might be feeling something of what you felt in whatever world it is that they work in? Well, shame, the feeling of shame is just, it's like the same thing as jealousy. Like it's a thief of joy. And especially if you are deserving or you, of course I was going to take that opportunity. Even if they said to me, Caitlin, you're replacing Chris Harrison and you're going to be the host. I would have said, I would have approached it differently and had conversations in place before, but I still would have said yes, because what a dream. Yeah. But I just think it's important to know your worth and I felt like I was worthy of that job. It was just more of like imposter syndrome of once I got there, I was like, who am I to be in this position right now? Obviously they needed to bring another girl in like Taysha from, because they didn't think I could do this on my own. And I started questioning everything once I got there. Yeah. I don't know. My take is you get one life, you get one opportunity. And when you're offered something like that, there is no way you can't say yes to an opportunity. I mean, there's just no way you can, in my opinion, you know, I'm so thankful for the show, but there's no way professionally you can say no to that. I'm no. sorry. There's no way. It's, they asked me to be on paradise before we started dating. To me, that was a step backwards. A step hosting is a step forward. And to me, I always want to be going up and forward. Well said. One question I had is they had listed you guys in the credits professionally as guests, yeah. not co-hosts. I know. Did you ever find out why? Because they didn't want to pay us what a host would make. So it has to do with title and pay. 100%. Interesting. So professionally, the transition to hosting is you're taking on a role that you've never really taken on. Mm-hmm. How challenging was it for you to actually take on a role that you really don't have professional live TV hosting experience? Yeah. And, and then I want you to ask like anybody that's stuck in like, a new adjustment to a career, they're doing something that's in the job description they're not used to, what advice do you have? I think there's no shame in asking questions. I asked so many questions when I was doing the hosting role. Like, even though I didn't want to compare myself to Chris because I couldn't, (laughs) I still wanted to know how he approached situations. Like interrupting people was like really hard for me when you have to go in and they're in like the middle of an important conversation. You're like, I actually have to steal her away (laughs) from you. Like there was so many things where I'm like, I had to ask a lot of questions without feeling stupid doing it. Gotcha. Interesting. When you go from Katie season to Michelle season, do you get paid the same or more? We got, oh, I don't, oh, I think we got a little more. All right. So it was a little bit of a bump up, a little bit of a promotion Mm -hmm. in general is hosting in your future. I would love, oh my gosh. Being in that position and then like, obviously I was worried about Tasha when she had COVID and couldn't do the finale with me, the, after the final rose live, I felt like I thrived in on live television and reading a prompter and hosting. It felt like I'd been doing it for years and it's like a dream. I would love to host Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> Put it out there, manifest it. I'm saying it out loud. I love it. I could talk to you literally all day about this. I could go another two hours. I know we have limited time. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to do a little rapid fire personal finance questions. Do you have any debt? No. Any take on debt? Well, debt scares the shit out of me. Any take on, I never was really able to go into debt before too, because I didn't have a credit card. Yeah. And I'll never forget Caitlin and I are doing, if you're okay with us share this, is that like we're going over the house and I was like, you should probably get a mortgage. If you get the mortgage, it's lower, low interest rate. You're like, nope. 
we're paying it off. Mm -hmm. Very debt averse. Okay. How do you budget? Do you have a budgeting plan? I rely on my bookkeeper and accountant. It's a great answer. You use professionals to help you. And I know the answer to that. You meet with them monthly to go over everything and they tell you how it's looking. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you have a goal of when you want to be retired by? Honestly, the thought of retiring used to sound glorious and now it scares me because I'm like, I don't want to go back to that place where I wasn't working and I lost myself, (laughs) but I would, I don't know, maybe like 50. Okay. Do you have a dream dollar amount like that you want to make off a business or have in your life or that you want to be able to donate? Like, do you have any dreams that connect to dollar amounts? Like I want to sell my wine company for a billion dollars. I want to buy a private plane one day. Do you have any like dream dollar figures? I do have this written down somewhere. I wrote how much I wanted to sell my wine company for eventually one day. And I I think it was like a hundred million. I, that's the one thing about Caitlin I could tell you is she dreams so big. I do. And the crazy thing is it comes true. Like the stuff you dream of comes true. Well, if everybody could continue to please buy spade and sparrows. What is the worst investment you've ever made? So I've probably made some bad decisions in my life, but the worst I've made recently was buying, (laughs) investing in a Balenciaga bag (laughs) two weeks before I realized how disgusting they were. How much was the bag? Oh man, I don't want to tell you. It's embarrassing. It's like twenty five. Oh, everyone knows Balenciaga. Yeah, it was, ten grand, five grand. No, it was three grand. Three and grand that for seemed the bag. Insane to me that I spent it on that because if anyone knows me, I don't spend money on bags. It's literally the only bag. I I'll was ne- like, I'll just do this one. I'll never forget Lo and I joking around. We're like, this poor girl has like enough resources to get what she wants. And she never gets nope. anything. She finally splurges on a bag. And, it, and two weeks yeah. later, she can never wear it again. Sad. All right. If you guys could tell by the tone, we're in rapid fire mode because we have so many questions to ask Caitlin, but so little time. But I want to make sure we can suck as much of the career navigation and all your success out and that people can bring it to their lives where they might feel stuck, lost, or trying to figure it out. 2015, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 23. That is now, I think I forgot 22. (laughs) I got so pumped up. That's now nine years of being in this world. Nine years. You're in a world where people say most people get 15 minutes. It's done. You're now on year nine. And I almost, I can almost speak knowing myself every, based on the things we share every single year. When you look at like your income and your success, it's actually increased every single year with last year being your best year yet. Mm -hmm. How? Uh, Well, I'm going to go back to community. I think my community, I could kiss them all on the mouth like I would if they were all lined up in front of me, I would kiss them all in the mouths because they have helped me and believed in me and they've been so loyal and supportive. And I could not have done any of these things without that. And I think it's important to continue to build that community and and show up as authentically as possible so that they want to support you. I I feel like it's so easy to see through people these days on social media and see through a lot of bullshit. And I think just showing up so authentically will always be like, even if it's not in dollar amounts, it'll be successful in so many different ways. And also having the right team. How many people work on your team? Well, I have different teams. So how many people in total? Total? Yeah. Check left hand scribble. 10, 11, 12, 14. 14 people. Yeah. So a team and a community, that's the answer. Nine years running and you're most successful. And then get engaged to a numbers guy who can help you as well. (laughs) Good answer. I'll take it. All right. Can't forget off the vine, the OG of OG when it comes to podcasts started in 2017. It was May 17th, actually over four, 140 million downloads. It's incredible. One of the top shows out there. How has the podcast scene changed since launching in 2017? Oh my gosh. Or what has the biggest change been? 
that everybody has a podcast now and it's hard to get everyone to tune into yours when there's so many options to choose from and people get bored really easily. Who do you think are the biggest competitors in your space directly? Who do you think you compete with the most? I I was going to say Caller Daddy, but that's not true. She gets billions (laughs) more downloads than I do. Um, I don't know. Probably Bachelor Podcasts would probably be competitive with mine. Okay. What do you do to differentiate? As you plan for your I podcast. just don't try to differentiate. Oh, I don't that's a great answer. I I don't try to. I just truly try to always listen to what my audience wants. And they've grown with me through so many things, through breakups, through losing dogs, through the hard times, through ups and downs. And I feel like they evolve with me and genuinely are like intrigued by what's next for me. So I just try and be, again, super authentic and unapologetic of what I'm doing and how I'm feeling and what stage I'm in in life. And I try to not, you know how I am with other podcasts. I will not compare myself to others. I won't listen to them to try and do better or differentiate. Like I'm just like, stay true to myself. It's so important. And the other thing out there, guys, is she doesn't look at the numbers. Like you don't care about the numbers and try to change your plan based on the numbers. You're just stay true to yourself. You connect with your vinyls. Your vinyls love you. What about tours? Any tours in the future? Yeah. I just had a meeting last night actually with um, UTA, my new agency. (laughs) Oh, you signed with UTA. I did. Congratulations. Thanks. So you're going to do a tour? Yeah. I think we're going to try and plan one for the fall. Are tours profitable? Yeah, but they're, what's more important to me, it's definitely not the moneymaker. It's important to me to Connect. see the faces of the vinos of what I think is my dysfunctional family and <laughs> community and see them face to face and have that intimate time. And, you know, those are the people that are like your true fans that are coming. Because it's fair to say, like in general, though, like if you look at the dollars and cents, you're not making that much off a tour, right? No. In comparison. It's profitable, but, but it's more it's of a more brand important. Play. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a big, no matter what someone does in their life, as you're looking at your plan, think about where you you can build your brand that you might not be making money. Mm -hmm. And I think not enough people do that. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. All right. Video. Do you think you'll have like YouTube soon? Will you be Spotify video? What can people expect for Off the Vine? Yeah. We're trying to, I feel like that's the next step. I always want to know how I can grow that podcast. And I think the next step is doing video. That's the number one question I feel like I get asked right now is where can we watch this whole thing? Cause I have video clips. So and, when can we expect that to be in um, place? Probably like spring of this year. Okay. And last thing I got about off the vine financially is off the vine changed your life. Yes. Significantly. Yeah, it has. I feel like it's something that again, I always, I always wanted to interview people. I always wanted to host. I always wanted to have my own radio show. And I feel like I've been thinking about it for so many years that the reason it's so successful, I think is because of how much I love doing it. Gotcha. You did the YouTube video uh, show nine to wine. (laughs) Did that have any connection to off the vine? Do you expect to pick that up? Uh, No, that was just a fun little side, not hustle, but side show that I wanted to do. Sideshow Bob that I wanted to do. You don't watch Simpsons. Um, <laughs> that I wanted to do just to like invite people in a little more because I'm such an open book. Okay. All right. That's fair. So no more nine to wine. We'll see more off the vine. Potentially what, a TV show though. Potentially a TV show with what? My wine. An off the vine TV show? I don't know. Um, we're, What's we're, going on? You and UTA got a TV show going? No, it's just something I'm thinking about. 
There's some ideas floating Something around. Something tells me there's more to that, but I got to bring this conversation because we only have 13 minutes left and I could ask Caitlin a million questions. I got to bring it to your baby, Spade and Sparrows. Yeah, my Spade baby. and Sparrows, the baby of babies. If you guys haven't heard of Off Divine because literally you live under a rock, make sure you go download it, check it out. There's obviously a lot coming in a tour on the way, maybe even a TV show. But as we transition to the wine, I have a bunch of questions. First question. How did you decide who your partner should be? Uh, well, we met with so many different people that could we could partner with for production and everything. And that was actually one of the most challenging parts because they're like, eh, we've seen, um, you know, Ben Flanick, who was the bachelor at one point. He literally owns a winery, so knowledgeable about wine, started his own wine label. And they're like, it failed. Celebrity wines don't really do well unless you're like an actual celebrity. And we kept having to go to different people. And we had the most impressive deck to show everybody about how loyal these followers are, about how passionate the community is, about how much I believe in drinking wine. And like, <laughs> uh, it's so true to me that I'm like, uh, I would stomp those grapes with my feet, my little feeties if I could. <laughs> uh, and so I think just proving yourself, but that's, we just picked one that actually believed in us too. Gotcha. Yeah. And are you the majority owner? Yes. Okay. And that was something in talking about it, you know, even though they're some of my friends and business partners, they still tried to make it, you know, like, oh, this would be a fair percentage. And I was like, well, no. And so I looked up how much it took to be a full or majority owner. And I think and it was 51%. Okay. So I'm 54%. 54%. And then you also have, <laughs> I, I have think, two business partners. I think what's cool about your business partners too, is their skill sets are totally different. Yeah. So if you're starting a business, pick people with diversified skill yeah. sets. One of them's attorney. Imagine the cost it would have taken, especially in the alcohol world to get mm -hmm. an attorney on mm -hmm. board. And now you're saving it with that as a partner. Tell us a little bit about the growth of Spain Sparrow since inception to today. Like how have you guys grown? What does it look like? Yeah. Again, we, we started obviously as like a smaller company and wanted to go big. So of course there was opportunities for me to just slap my name on a label that's already been branded and like successful, but I really wanted it to be my own. So again, I, I think such an important thing of growing that business was I'm, I'm a broken record, but the community, because for example, we, I wanted my wine in target so bad that made so much sense to me, like the demographic, the people that are going to target, it just made so much sense. So I like went to target buyers. I found their Instagrams. Like I sent them messages and booked meetings with them. And a lot of times they're like, okay, yeah, that all sounds like really great. And then we wouldn't hear back from them. So I had to rely on the community to go. We found creative ways to create buzz around target. Like everybody go tag your target and like say what city we should be in. And then you have all these thousands of comments tagging target and then they see how powerful that is. And so then they finally took us on in Texas to prove ourselves. And that was where that started. But it was a grind. How long did it take to get into Target? Because like, that's huge. That like is three a years. huge, like huge three years. Um, Yeah. We just, we, we had to like really try and make them believe in our vision and brand proposition of like, 
what we could do, because what I, we believe. Because I, I think people hear Target and they're just like, oh yeah, but think about this. You got, think about the celebrities out there with wine labels, right? Yeah. I mean, you got like just massive, massive people have wine labels, right? Like Reese Witherspoon has a, a wine label. She does? Uh, does she not? Post Malone has Post a Malone, wine Snoop label. Dog. Snoop Dogg has one. I actually sent you, I had an article that was all about these massive celebrities. So to get but, into Target's huge. But Snoop Dogg is not going and immersing himself in every target yes. and getting lineups out the door and having people come to target, get their feet in the door. And who goes to target and buys one thing? Nobody. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. then I'm doing events. I'm showing face at all these targets in Texas, bringing people in and making all these customers come to target who obviously they come for wine when they come, they leave with hundred dollar receipts. Yep. Business. I think you're right. You, you're in that Snoop perfect sweet that. spot where Post Snoop's Malone not showing They're that. not showing up, but Caitlin Bristow is. Does Snoop even drink wine? <laughs> Fair. Has has the success of the company grown each year? Or have you guys ever like, how is how is the success of the company when you're looking at just like, I don't know, since inception, 2019, 2020, 2021, has it been growing every year? Yeah. Target for sure has helped with that. Obviously our partners, Don Sebastiani and Sons, who does our production and distribution and everything have been the most incredible partners to work with. And again, people going and showing up and buying the wine because it's not just my wine. It's fucking good wine. It's not just like, oh, it's Caitlin's wine. They try it. And then I want them to be like, holy shit, that's actually really good. And then maybe they're bringing it to a party. And you know what? Our, I'm not looking for, we just had a meeting about this. I'm not looking for the influencers who have a million followers to promote my wine. I'm looking for Kara, who's a nurse who needs a glass of wine after a long shift, who's going to share it with her friends. And they're going to be like true ambassadors for the brand who believe in it that aren't like, you know, I, again, we see through a lot of people on Instagram these days, if they're promoting something, you're like, skip next. And I, I just believe in this wine being delicious and bringing people together. Yeah. I think in the little I've seen the financials where I could help out, I think it's unbelievable. The revenue growth, I'll say this, and it's not my business, but it's incredible. Yeah. I'm not getting into the numbers. Well, we That's started business, it with Walmart, which yeah. was cool. And that was in a tough time to get the, you know, people in the doors in Walmart because of the pandemic. So we yep. had to do a little guerrilla marketing and I was going in there, Willy Wonka style, even Polaroids of myself with $20 bills and saying, go find this bottle. And then, you know, you had to get creative. Look at you dropping guerrilla marketing. You are a literal genius over here. I think it's brilliant the way that you sell online, the way that you have the wine club you've distributed through Walmart, through Target. Uh, you are in uh, very small, even uh, restaurants and liquor stores all across the country. Tell us, we'll leave with this, Spain Sparrows. What is one thing behind the scenes? What is one thing about Spain Sparrows we don't know that we should know or something you want to just reiterate if you've already talked about it? I just think how small and mighty our team is. Like it's, we obviously are very passionate about this wine and and we're really passionate about supporting the retailers that bring it in and showing up for, I'm on every call with like, it, it doesn't matter if it's a Harris Teeters in North Carolina, I'm on that call. I want to show my face. I want people to see how passionate I am about this wine that we've made. And it's not just somebody else's wine that I put my name on. It's, I created it from every tasting note to like the design of the bottles to picking my partners, like everything I've done has been so thought out for, for trying to make it a success. It's incredible. Your career has just been absolutely unbelievable. All the TV you've done, more TV possibly to come. Uh, the fact that you have your own wine label in Target and in Walmart, we know Duet It has been a massive success. 
off the vine that's financially changed your life over 140 million downloads. And the fact you have the window, you're back. Like it's nine years in and it's just starting. It's going to stop. What if people are like, I'm bored of her? It's not going to stop. Something tells me it's not going to stop. And something tells me well, with I'm all the success you've had, you're going to find the right strategies and people to partner with to continue it going. Yeah, but I'm also on a healing journey and I think that's going to... Is it okay if it stops? That's what I'm on my healing journey for, just in case. Because the biggest <laughs> question though is like, when is enough I did um, enough? Kundalini, Kundalini yoga yesterday. Yeah. And it was all about breathing into your chakras, talking about like, if I don't have this, I am still this. And it was fill in the blanks. And it was a lot of me being like... I, I, it made me realize how much I love what I do too, though. Cause I was like, I don't want it to go away. I love this so much. It makes me so happy. I also think when you recognize you have enough, when enough is enough is actually another moment in a new chapter when things propel to another level, because people That's, are even yeah. more intrigued yeah. that you're still achieving. What I'm you're definitely going to share enough. my spiritual journey with everybody. Cause I'm, I'm going deep. Amazing. Making wine. I'm dying to know, start to finish. What is the process of making your wine? Okay. Well, first of all, it was coming up with the name, which is a whole, it could be a whole podcast about how I came up with the name, but coming up with the name, finding the right production partner, label design. We met with a friend who is so incredibly talented, the brand vision, assembling the team, licensing That's in two countries. That's tough. Yeah. It was crazy. E-commerce, distribution, sales, marketing. We just kind of went like headfirst with a small team and- did it all with honestly not that much knowledge and just like figured it out. And the fact that four of you guys did all that in that short period of time. It was three of us at the time. And within three some years, you're in targets. It's amazing. So keep buying, please, because I want to be in Target everywhere. Keep buying, please. Caitlin wants to be there. You just heard the process start to finish. Ask your doctor how much a good a glass of wine does for the heart. That's right. Plus yours is low sugar. All right. We got to transition okay, 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 though okay. into trading secret. That's what we're going to wrap with. One trading secret. Someone can't learn it in a classroom. They can't learn it from a professor. They can't read it in a textbook. It's got to be a trading secret about money management, career navigation, the secret sauce from Caitlin Bristow. What can you leave us with? I think, I again, it's... I'm beating the dead horse. It's dead. It's crossed over to its other life. It's living It's and I'm still beating it. It's community and being vulnerable with your community and sharing. I mean, it depends what you're doing. For me, it's like super important to be transparent, not with numbers, but with everything else that I could possibly be transparent with. And I feel like I didn't, I, I didn't go onto that show and come out of it being like, I'm going to be relatable. I was just being myself and people found that relatable. And I think that was really important to create that community and have them stick around. One follow-up to your trading secret. If someone wants to start a community, right? They're at home, they listen to this, they're inspired by you, they're motivated, they're empowered. I want to start a community, even if it's like one person yeah, that comes to the community. Yeah, don't think about How do it's you quality over quantity. It's, it's about just starting. Connection, if, if, right? Even if you have five people that tune in, just keep going. It's, it's takes, I mean, I obviously had a huge boost with going on a TV show that's going to give me that platform, but not everybody can do that. And it's just about doing, if it makes you happy and doing it, the success will come in other ways. Community, quality over quantity. Those are words from Caitlin Bristow. That's her trading secret. Where can people find everything? Your Instagram, your social media, your wine, your scrunchies, hey, off just, the vine, give it all. Please follow me on TikTok. I have so much fun on there. I really like dancing and being funny and I'm... Yeah, I just like TikTok, but I don't make money off TikTok. So that I'm, I genuinely just like being on it. But my Instagram at Caitlin Bristow has everything underneath it. So you don't make money off TikTok? 
I have once. All right. We're going to have to change that with the rewired talent agency. Go no, follow because, her on TikTok. Where can people get your wine? Okay. Well, you can get it at Kate. Well, it's all under, again, on Instagram. I have that. What's that new thing I'm on? Not Comey. Comey. Yes. I have that linked on my Instagram. So you can buy my wine on there and straightensparrows.com, scrunchiesdoedit.com and my podcast, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Off the vine, go give it five stars. Give us five stars. Go check out Spade and Sparrows. Go check out Do Edit. Go check out everything Caitlin Bristow on her website or the link that is on her Instagram. Caitlin, thank you so much for being on this episode of Trading Secrets. There's only one last thing to wrap with. What? You got to show you a camera over there. What? What's on your hand? It's. I'm telling you, it's sweated off. But what was it? It was all the things I did to build my wine brand. <laughs> I love it. She's going old school. She's writing notes on her hands. It's all my Caitlin My mom would Bristow. be so mad because I got blood poisoning once and she always thinks ink's going to get into my blood. And okay. this right here, this, open it up. That is why we love her. <laughs> Thank you for having me on. Thank you for coming on. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> worst closing bell ding you will ever hear in the history of trading secrets that is 101. As you guys can tell, I have some type of sinus infection, cold going over here, but we at Trading Secrets are powering through. Thank you guys for tuning into part two of KB's episode. This has been such a pleasure to interview her and see a side of her, quite frankly, I've never seen. If you're new to the show, please, please, please give us five stars in Apple. Give us a review. We got one from D 19 First time won't be my last. We got another one from I Love You, JT and KB. We got another one from Cheeseburger27. Uh, these are comments we listen to. We appreciate. And also all the feedback you have, uh, we implement. So please give us five stars and give us that feedback. Follow us on Trading Secrets Podcast and make sure to subscribe to the show. It really helps our small show continue to grow. So we are in the recap. If you're new to the show, this is where I have my best boy, David Arduin, the Curious Canadian, really break down all the things we just talked about. So while I can't talk today, David loves to talk. So David, what are you thinking, brother? You got to bring the energy. You come up when I am down. Well, it's always great to be in the recap, especially when I can you can tap in the closer to come on and bring the energy for you. I can tell you need it. You've been there for me. I'm going to be here for you. Before I get to anything, to sit and listen to KB in a side of KB that I've never heard before was incredible. I know our old listeners probably loved it. Our new listeners probably love seeing a new side of her that they don't normally get on OTV. KB absolutely rocked it. I was sitting there watching with a smile on my face. So the That's first the thing purpose that of this show, right? Is like, let's bring people in this hot seat and talk about things they've never talked about. Yeah, and KB, sneaky boss. I mean, she's just, she's so under, <laughs> under the radar about it. It's ridiculous. It's fucking like I'm telling you, behind the door, when that door closes, there's a lot going on. She is very fucking tactful and smart and a networker like no other and angles and calculate like she's good, dude. She is, she's a boss. <laughs> she is. And we're going to get to a lot of those things you mentioned on. We got to start with where I teased off the last recap, talking about the inner child work. We can go a lot of different angles with this. I know we could get in the weeds about this for a long time. I want just your overall takeaway of being around KB and understanding how much she's worked on inner child work and how it's affected you. And then I'll give you my biggest takeaway on inner child work from the episode and then from kind of how I see it in my everyday life. See, David, I could talk about this inner child stuff for probably two hours, right? So I'm yep. going to do my best to summarize it because it is life. It is everything. We are literally all just our little ch children walking around. The entire earth is adult forms. And you think about 
any time in your life when you are deregulated, any time where your emotions are moving different than they normally do, it is almost a guarantee that that deregulation is something that probably roots all the way back to your childhood. And what happens in your childhood impacts every way, shape, form that you act today. And so I've learned a lot of that through KB. And then because of KB, I was so inspired myself to start doing this stuff, which I was reluctant to do like three, four years ago. But go to therapy and start doing this inner child work. It's it's really, really important stuff. Well, one way to bring it back to the the financial-based subject of the podcast is is in in tying it into inner work is she talked about how growing up she never had to worry about money but her parents never educated on anything about money so she got the good and and she never had to worry or see it or stress of a family but the bad and that she never got educated and you hear her struggles growing up she didn't get approved for a credit card till she's 31 she still has has to write things on her hand because she's nervous to talk to her own partner about finance things that is just a small segment of how things can be so connected that you may not realize until you start putting the pieces of the puzzle together. Yeah, let me tell you, man, um, I feel comfortable sharing it with, given this topic and everything. But when I came into KB's life, uh, you know how passionate I am about finances and just making sure like, you know, everyone's got all their bases covered. There were so, oh my God, man, there were so many gaps in the things that she was doing. And like, Oh, there are so many things like collectibles from stuff, work that you did that never came in and just like, you know, wait, this was for this, but that's not what hit the account. Like there were so many holes in this ship and immediately I dropped everything. I'm like, we are getting this all fixed. Well, and so I'm smart enough. I just want to say this, like anyone should do, if you're going to help someone, you better fucking cover your ass because you don't want to be the one that's like, oh, they're in there now and no one else is. No. You have checks and checks and balances everywhere. So I got her accountant talking to the lawyer, the lawyer talking to the manager, the manager talking to the account. Everyone is in there. Everyone is visible to every contract. Everyone checks off when the money comes in. Reports are now sent monthly. Every single month, Caitlin is meeting with her financial team to go over cash flows and budget and what was spent and what wasn't spent, what was going on. And like there were so many holes in this ship when I came on board and I'm like so happy. And now Caitlin is like super empowered to like do it herself like today today like even today she this morning she man she's like i have a photo shoot today i am sick and tired of hiring photographers and all this when this photo shoot is strictly for content it has i have no dollar value assigned to it so i'm going to use this person who i'm already paying an hourly rate who's going to be here anyway to hit these folks because i know they can like she is a full-blown financial like machine now i mean you get hints of it too when she said she doesn't even look at her podcast download numbers if she ain't looking at those numbers and she's just doing her own thing. I can't imagine she's peeling back the layers and looking at her financial numbers or her, you know, her invoices or her statements or her, like you said, her checks and balances. So it's I want to touch good, on that though. Yeah. She's not motivated by money at all. Like, like not at all, which is, it's wild. She doesn't, she doesn't know where the money is or whatever. Uh, the numbers thing is interesting. That's more of a mental thing. Mm -hmm. She doesn't ever look at numbers or downloads because she doesn't want to change who she is based right. on what is succeeding and not. And I think there's like something to that. Like oh, yeah, there staying is. authentic and not trying to be dynamic to what people want, you know? 100%. And, and the last thing on inner child work, if you want to see how much inner child work affects people, go watch Love is Blind. The, in the pods, all every relationship that ends up hitting their peak is because both people break down their inner child, what what affects them. They relate to the person and either resonates or it doesn't. Usually when it resonates, that's when they find their match. Moving on from another more relatable show to The Bachelor and Bachelorette, <laughs> which is how JB 
and JT or KB and J, JT. JB, that'll maybe be our new name. Yeah, JT exactly. meets KB. We exactly. got JB in the house. How how it came to fruition. I got to say, Jay, were you, how, how impressed were you with your girls' negotiation skills? Uh, getting offered 40K, hiring an entertainment lawyer, which was just beyond having to get a little 5k loan from the from the stepfather but all working out i mean just your take on that how how impressed were you what was the most impressed part you were about that whole thing kb's not like the great white shark right but she's like a, like a hammerhead shark like she's <laughs> different than all the other sharks she's got this like cool feature people want to see but she is still so sharky um that is like really impressive that she did all that i love that mm-hmm. she got the walkout money yeah you know she didn't talk about it in the episode but i'm pretty sure chris Souls was paid like in this like 110 to 140 category category per show. And I'm pretty sure Caitlin got around 100 to 110. So a little less than Crystal's from what my understanding is. But like good for her, man. Negotiating up from 40K to a six-figure deal in that space at that time, especially, man, when you have someone else who's competing against you. Yeah. I said it in the podcast. I almost went to them and said, pay me $0. I'll just do it. You know, um, So interesting so and fascinating. You, the producers have their hands all over that show. Do you think knowing that she had walkout money, if she didn't get, as you guys said, elected, that they would still have to pay her out? Do you think that there's any uh, chance that the producers swayed um, the votes of the men on the show to make sure that the lead that they wanted was the one that got the most votes? No, I think that the only reason they probably agreed to that in her contract was because they knew it was going to be her. Okay. Right. Yeah, it's I mean, fair. Just think about this, man. You're planning filming and all this stuff so far in advance. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's just no, I don't, this is all speculation, guys. Yeah, this is yeah. no, like, trading secret. But, like, if you're doing hometowns and the person has to make the decision, like, two days before, you think that, like, they're sending a whole crew and all these people and all these flights and hotels and booking it, like, 12 hours before? Right. Come on. Yeah. That's, that's a good my, point. It's my guess. And that's for it's a not lead. A not, and that's for a lead, too, not just yeah. a, a hometown You plan a whole contestant. show, man. You yeah. plan the whole show. Like, well, right. and I think at least. So, like, I, there's no way that they went into that rose ceremony wondering. They all knew it would be KB. That's my opinion. That is not a fact. Okay. And as and as KB's supportive Canadian, some things that she said um, kind of grinded my gears in terms of wanting to protect her a little bit. Uh, and I don't want you to get you to get in trouble for this. But when I see manipulation, I get mad. And the couple quotes that she said when they questioned that her getting an entertainment lawyer and she said, I thought this was about love, made me so angry because she's trying to protect herself and they don't pay their leads anything and they all profit off of it. So that was manipulation tactic number one that I didn't like. And I didn't know that her and Tasha were labeled as guests on the show. And the only reason that would happen, the only reason they would show up for filming and get a teleprompter that they would be hosting without knowing is again, manipulation and title and pay and a bunch of bullshit. So I got to throw that out there. If you're going to come after me, someone come after me. I love that. I love that you threw that out there. One (laughs) of the things I just like love and adore Caitlin for so much is just her ability to stand her ground and mm-hmm. she doesn't give a fuck and it's so hot it's sexy it's adoring it's an endearing i'm sorry it's it's really an inspiration and so i can almost guarantee you i can almost guarantee you that any lead that's walked through that door ever that when they said you know i thought it was about for the love everyone folded yeah you're right it is she's like fuck off yeah. this isn't about the love we'll talk about the love after we sign the contract like that is so hot yeah she, the whole she guest said- thing with is real i'll tell you a quick story we were, I'll never forget when we were in New Mexico and 
Caitlin was always known as like, go guess. That's what she told her. You're going to support the Bachelorette or whatever. And then she looks at E! News and it's like, Caitlin Bristow and Tayshia to take over as hosts. And she's like, what the fuck is this? Mm-hmm. Hosts? We didn't get a host title. We didn't get bad. What are you talking about? And then immediately... She's got to go now talk to Chris Harrison, who's a good friend of hers, because she didn't even know she was the host. Like, she didn't know this was happening. And, like, so she was totally blindsided by that, which is really interesting. And I think, you know, what do we try to do here? We're not going to, like, sit here and talk about Bachelorette. What we're going to do is, yeah. like, pull strings so this could impact your your career. Um, I think there are too many people out there, David, that are promised um, a bill of goods and it never comes to fruition, right? If you're promised mm-hmm. a title, if you're told you're going to get something, if you're told you earn it, Go get it and get it in paper. Not like, oh, when they sell, I'm sure they'll take care of me. No, 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 no. Yeah. Make sure it's in writing. So there is no misunderstanding. No, I like that. I like that too. Um, and, you know, we, we might have to dive into the, around this time, she said she was the Alex Earl of Snapchat uh, back in the OG days. So I didn't really know um, Snapchat could be that profitable. I did send you, you an article about that um, sophomore from Penn State University. Mm-hmm. I think her name's Katie Feeney making a million dollars in Snapchat in six weeks. Uh, people listening, if you want us to dive into Snapchat and the money behind it and, and maybe get something like this on, let us know. Jay, what do you think about that? Two worlds we really haven't do- dove into when it comes to um, social media monetization. 100%. Snapchat, YouTube. So if you YouTube. guys want that, YouTube just throw five stars in the comments and just say what you want. We're here for it. We also have a Facebook group, guys. Go join that Trading Secrets podcast and a YouTube Trading Secrets podcast. We keep the conversation flowing about all things money and career. And going naturally progression with her life in TV, uh, I, I thought it was really cool for the rapid fire section for um, you to question her on all these shows and what was the most exciting and rewarding and what she wouldn't do it again. It was all Dancing with the Stars. And I thought that was really cool uh, just to see the passion behind it. I did do some research, if you want me to fire it off really quick, about the money behind uh, how much people do make. And I'll, I'll, I'll speed speed around this if you want. Before you go through that research, yeah. can we just touch on the fact we just had Val on yes. from Dancing with the Stars. Yes. There's a little misunderstanding of what that trophy could yes. be worth. We heard it from KB, what she was told mm-hmm. from producers. 10K for that trophy. Pretty and- impressive. Wouldn't sell it for a million. You know what, though? The internet's (laughs) going to get updated with this because I was trying to do research to combat your like 10 to 15K and the internet still says it's worth nothing. So the internet, the Google machine is going to get updated after trading. So either Google's off or that producer's full of shit. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. All right. Really quick. It sounds like contestants get 125K starting salary just to be on the show. It's about $10,000 bonus per week that you go on it. I think um, I heard, sorry to interrupt, I think I heard like in the realm of like 125 to 175, but that was something KB said you can negotiate yeah, that base, okay? Exactly, exactly. So it sounds like you get, you know, uh, week five, an extra 15,000, six and seven, 20,000, eight and nine, 30,000, 50,000 for those who make it to the semis and then 50,000 for the finale. So you're looking at about 325, 350 if you make it to the finals. As she said, all all the people who make the finale um, get paid the same amount. What was crazy about this, uh, it's rumored that a starting salary for a pro, I know we've had Lindsay Arnold on and Val on, 1600 per episode. Season pros can make 5000 per episode. Reported cap for a professional dancer is $100,000 per season. So that's a little quick hitter on Dancing with the Stars, money behind Dancing with the Stars. Interesting. Yeah, but again, right, if they're filming for – Two months, two and a half months, not a bad day for a pro. A couple yeah. hundred grand, you know? Yeah. And you're getting this exposure, social media, the following, all that stuff. That's what I'm talking that about. That is really good stuff, David. That's great research coming into the recap, man. 
I am down. You are up. Thank you for picking me up. <laughs> you got anything else you want to hit on? We just have yes. a couple minutes left. Yes, we have to hit on this. This is how she got into Dancing with the Stars, and this will be nice to take it full circle here. When she said she kept her baby toe in the door, I really took something away from that because that's not by fluke. That is strategic. That is smart. And above all, KB is genuine as can be. We have to touch on the power community. We have to touch on all that. And the one thing that I have bolded, underlined, italic in a bright, bright font that she has that hit that resonates with me, and I know it resonates with you, was when she said, you have to commit to your passions. And I want to ask you, how has committing to your passions changed your life? Yeah, I want to touch, super quickly touch on community, whether you have three people in your community or 300 million, having that community is such a massive tool for finding your way, finding happiness and finding success. And Caitlin has a huge community that she bonds with daily and they had her back and they've pushed for it. I think the idea of having a passion and not giving a fuck, a living shit about yeah. one person saying your passion's a joke. Everyone told her, I even said it in the interview, girl, you're four or five years from Bachelorette, like, let it go. She said, I won't let anything go. This is what I want, and I'm going to go for it. And if you feel that in any way, shape, or form at home, that's probably the biggest lesson I've learned from Caitlin. Talk about it, put it out there, and relentlessly go after it, no matter who tells you you're wrong for wanting it. And so when you have that type of passion, David, you do those things. Your message gets heard. You tell Fleiss, who has creative instincts and control and all these other bullshit things, to even think about you to be the guest. So I, I just love, again, Caitlin going against the grain, pursuing her passion and her will at all costs and not giving a shit what impact that might have on other things in her career with people that are powerful, that have a ton of leverage and just saying, I'm going to break this whole bend the knee to you. I am seeing you eye to eye. This is what I want. This is what I need. And you took it from me. Bang. Look at that. That was almost a mic draw from Jason Tardick there. That guy thought he was coming in <laughs> sick. Now he's all fired up. Well, now he's gonna now he's losing it behind the camera. <laughs> we we might have sent a medic to Nashville. Uh, yeah, let's, yeah, let's call someone in. I just dropped everything. <laughs> no, that was great. It was so well said. Uh, KB said she wished she could, she could kiss everyone in her community, kiss them on the mouth. Year over year, she's more successful than the next. I don't really see it ever stopping for her. One thing I got to say that she said in, in terms of advice is there's no shame in asking questions. If you're ever in that imposter syndrome, fake it till you make it, new work environment. The biggest thing about that is tied into community. When you ask people questions, you, it can be done in an endearing way. It helps foster relationships. You start getting people on your side. You start learning about other people. They start learning about you. You lean on them. They lean on you. That's a power community. We are always looking to build our community here at Trading Secrets, um, something that we focus on episode over episode over episode that we spend a lot of time off camera and off recording thinking about. Um, we love you guys. Thank you for being here for the first episode in the next century of episodes. And David drops a mic drop. I love it. That is so well said. Guys, go follow us on Instagram, YouTube, join our Facebook group. We are building a community talking about the taboo topics of what you should be paid, how you can get where you want to get, and how we can help you. Please give us five stars in Apple. And thank you for tuning in to another episode of Trading Secrets, number 101. Number 101. Hopefully it was one you couldn't afford to miss.
please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.